Welcome to the GRC Professional Podcast, where we discuss all things GRC. Welcome to part B of the Internal Dispute Resolution Discussion on RG271. Uh, once again, we have with us Naomi Burley, who's our Managing Director at GRCI, and we have Carol Ferguson, who's our Strategic Engagement Consultant. Enjoy. Um, one thing you did raise with us in preparation for this was why this is important, particularly in the penalty area, um, and how seriously ASIC seems to be taking this. Well, the penalties are, are very, very large. I mean, we're talking for financial services licensees for a failure in this area um, um, is now it's attracting civil penalty provisions and the contravention is a maximum of 50,000 penalty units to body corporates, which is 11.1 million. So it's it's incumbent on, on um, financial services licensees to do their very best to ensure that these products are appropriately, uh, sorry, the complaints are appropriately dealt with. Now, interestingly, um, credit licensees have got a much lower um, level of, of penalty, and that's 5,000 penalty uh, units and 1.11 million. And, and I can't quite understand that one, um, given that the vast majority of complaints to AFCA are in relation to banking products. So it does sort of show a, a problem. Some tips? So if I was to give anyone some tips in, in relation to the IDRs sphere, the first is take it seriously. Um, it should be actually a, a matter that your board is aware of. And certainly um, 271 is, is re requiring that boards set clear accountabilities for complaints handling functions including the management of systemic issues identified through customer complaints and that reports to the board have to include metrics and analysis of consumer complaints about systemic issues identified through those complaints. So it's very important that your board is aware of what's going on, the number of complaints that are coming through and the particular areas that are being focused on. Now that's the tie-in to 274 because that then leads to consideration of the products that specifically are being complained about mm. and the extent to which those products need to be altered in their design or operation yeah. so that those systemic issues can be resolved. So it's incredibly important that the board is aware of what's going on in the complaints area and just doesn't have the report of, oh, we received 10 complaints and they've been resolved. Yep. It actually has to say, well, we've, we've received 10 complaints about these particular products and they raise these particular issues, etc. so that there is sufficient detail for the board to be able to make decisions in relation to product design obligations. So that's the first thing. The second thing that when you are the person who is running the IDR department, you need to have people who are actually skilled in client resolution and not in rebuffing because rebuffing isn't going to help. So it's about um, the, the um, statistics from AFCAR demonstrate incredibly clearly that you have to get these resolved at your own door. When 71% of them are resolved in favour of the complainants, then it's a matter of ensuring that you've actually solved them used your best endeavours to solve these matters. So the timing is one thing, but the goodwill that underpins it is important as well. People don't complain generally unless they've got a beef about something. So it may be that the um, advisor just wasn't the right advisor for a particular client. 
they need to have a little bit more time to understand the product they're in. They need to be given an opportunity to exit um, without too much of a penalty, etc. So that's really important. And there also are unreasonable expectations from consumers because some of them think that if the market falls, that they're entitled to some sort of bonus. So you cannot you can make people whole again if there's been detriment, but you can't you should not in general compensate people just because the market's fallen. Mm. However, having said that, the costs of taking a matter to AFCAR are very high and it's important to weigh that up against refusal to compensate a particular investor. So if if for instance somebody suffered a detriment, it may be possible to offer them an ex-gratia payment of $5,000 is an indication, rather than taking the matter to AFCA, because of the time that it takes to resolve with AFCA, the to and fro, et cetera, et cetera, will in some cases um, mean that your administrative costs are getting up towards $5,000 and you may lose the matter anyway, based on the statistics that AFCA is running on. So mm. then your, your penalty is likely to be higher and you've lost control over what the outcome is going to be. Mm. So Africa's it's, mindful of these regulatory guides as well, aren't they? Even though yes, they're not the right. one issuing them. They're very aware of the governance requirements in 274 um, and, and these new requirements in 271. But 271 is, is all about saying, well, we know that Africa exists. And we know that you've got obligations there and we expect you to work with AFCAR as well. So it's about, their, it, ASIC is aware of this. They work closely with, with AFCAR. And, and it's important that if you're a licensee, you're not, hedge, you're not kind of playing yourself against various regulators and saying, aren't we clever? Because you're not. You're not going to actually come out of it well in the end because as i've said consumers are more empowered than they were before they are more vocal in what they want to say they've got um, consumer organizations that are helping them in drafting these complaints and so that they're not left on their own anymore to and try to social resolve media. these matters. <laughs> and social media to, so to your original point if they don't hear a response within 24 hours you know that's what they'll do Yes, and the social media also gives them access to a whole lot of, you know, um, relatively <laughs> expert contacts who are prepared to help them. And, and so that you've got people who are out there who previously would never have made a complaint against a particular product and now are. It's a bit like when people go to um, the doctor, um, in general, if something goes wrong, they never complain because their doctor is their trusted individual. In the old days, the banks and financial services firm were the trusted individuals for the consumers. People trusted them to be acting in their best interests. And it came as a big shock from when the Royal Commission to understand that in fact, in many cases, they weren't. And so now that, that loss of confidence has led to a greater degree of complaints from, from fairly disaffected um, consumers, but also some that may just be complaining because they feel like it. But it's a matter that you've just got to work out who are the sensible ones and who are the ones who are just trying to have a go because well, everybody is. But, but you know, and, and Afri AFCA, um, from their presentation at the conference last year, they're sensible enough to also figure that out. Um, you know, that there are those 
those complainers, but 71% being resolved, you know, under AFCA in favour of the complainant indicates that, that somebody's internal dispute resolution let, let quite a few through to the keeper. Exactly. And, and look, un, unbelievably, there still is this view that AFCA, because it's funded by the financial services industry, is act, actually in, in the, the sort of pocket of the financial services industry based on no fact whatsoever. Um, and, and so it's an interesting thing that people out there are still saying, oh, well, Africa's, you know, um, in, the, in the, the hands of the BTs and so forth of this world. Well, they're not. They are incredibly even-handed. They approach their work incredibly seriously. They take a lot of effort in relation to recruitment of people who understand these products and, and have been dealing with them on an ongoing basis in their professional um, careers and so they want to make certain that the outcomes for consumers are balanced ones mm. so not necessarily favoring a consumer or a licensee but it's a tragedy in my view that 71 percent of them the outcomes are you know in the consumer's favor mm. so that just shows that most of these should never have gone to AFCAR at all. You had mentioned that this RG introduced some standards expected of, um, of everyone in relation to their IDR Yes, that's correct. So this, the standards relate to um, the need for the board to set, as I've said, um, appropriate standards from a, from a firm perspective. ASIC also requires um, certain information to be included in the IDR responses so that the investigation has been undertaken and an appropriate review has been taken of the circumstances of the complaint. It's not enough just to receive a complaint and say, please go away. Nowadays, you actually have to, to actually investigate and respond based on fact that's been ascertained. So, or, or even even if you'd set up a you know an auto response that's something like thank you for your thank you for your complaint we are investigating currently that's not going to really be adequate as it's not going to be enough response. and and that may be enough for the the twenty four hour response but it's certainly not enough for the thirty day response mm. so you need to have um, written reasons for the decision about the complaint. Um, and particularly in relation to superannuation funds, AD, approved deposit funds and retirement savings accounts. So it's not just enough to say, well, here's, you know, we're, we've investigated and we had you have no claim. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It, it now needs to give the reasons for why it is that they've made a particular decision, which means, and I hope, that that's going to lead to a greater consideration of why it is that somebody's complained and and I would have thought that in, in many firms it will actually lead to to um, most um, complaints being resolved in favour of the consumer. Well that process needs to be undertaken for uh, 274 anyway doesn't it so that would flow back through in the analysis. Exactly the so you know 274 as we know looks at, at how um, the feedback comes in relation to a particular product so complaints are an important part of that feedback. So um, a firm looking at its um, design obligations under 274 not only has to look at um, how you design the product in the first place, but what is the feedback about how it's performing. And so complaints are an important um, component of how you assess the, the actual efficacy of a particular product. Mm, mm. And the distribution too. And the distribution obligations because, you know, many of these complaints are actually about distribution issues and they'll be about 
you know, somebody not undertaking a pro proper SOA. And so when somebody's done a KYC on a particular client, they, under, they apparently understand them and they put somebody who should be in a balanced fund in, in one that isn't. And that's the big issue. Mm. And, you know, why it is that people um, end up in high-risk products when they actually shouldn't be. So putting a consumer who has very little um, cash reserves into an ETF may, in fact, be a very bad outcome, mm. Mm. Um, particularly and, and when people don't understand that you can lose even if the underlying shares are going up if the index is actually falling. Yeah, so then, you know, don't be surprised when they complain. Yeah, and, and that's the thing is it's about having wise heads in the IDR area and, and that they are sufficiently empowered to actually resolve these matters, that there isn't um, structures that stop these things being sorted out. Mm. So you'd want to make certain that there's, there's a, a relatively high level of um, compensation that a particular manager in that area can, can award because otherwise you're going to have problems that, you know, every single matter is going to have to be report, referred up to the board for decision-making. Mm. And, and it may be that, that that actually in itself stops the matters being resolved That's in a right, timely fashion. I think yeah. also in that, in that nexus, as you say, the people you've got in, in your IDR area also need to have enough nows and have enough internal conversations to understand when there may be something trending um, rather than just sort of data entering it and, and not worrying about having that conversation and not being sensible enough to escalate it to someone who could do something about about it when they when they have a sense that you know there's something going awry with either the product or the distribution or uh, the way things are, are happening. Yeah, and I think that that's the problem is that you know um, ASIC was concerned that um, a lot of the problems were the frontline staff couldn't identify systemic issues, you know, that were occurring through the complaint. So this mm. is about ensuring that your IDR um, department is viewed as one of the most important within the organisation because they're the ones who are at the front line of dealing with very um, disgruntled mm. folk who, who are likely to cause problems in relation to the reputation of your firm if you don't get the answers right and or regulatory consequences. So yeah. it's very important that you are equipping those people with the skills and the experience that are necessary in order to discharge their obligations. A lot of firms are, point, um, are appointing consumer advocates to help in progressing these matters through, through the firm. I don't know whether that's always the right answer. It can be, um, especially if you choose an external consumer advocate to help you. Um, but, it, you know, it comes down to looking at your processes and saying, how can we best discharge our regulatory obligations and at the same time ensure that our customers are happy? Because, you know, a, a happy customer is really what the aim is for all organisations. And so, you know, if your IDR processes are... If you have too many complaints, it's a bad sign. But if you're not dealing with your complaints in a swift and appropriate um, way, that's also a bad sign. Yep, yep, absolutely. Well, I think we have come to the end of this podcast. Um, I think I was going to ask if you had any advice, but I think you've sort of thrown in some recommendations there um, throughout the podcast. So I guess the only question is, um, 
are we going to have a follow-up podcast on more in IDR and into the spaces? Do we think we've covered this one, this topic adequately um, at the time we've had? Yeah, Carol and I were discussing this and I, and I think, Carol, that there's something in that broader complaint space. I mean, we've always talked about that this is the compliance gold. Um, being able to track, analyse and use this data around complaints is what the compliance team needs in a number of areas. Um, but I also find from, you know, just my general discussions with my compliance hat on with, with people I know that there are some organisations who are still trying to just prevent the complaint getting through someone do anything about it. Yeah, and I think that's what um, we were so talking about. That, yeah, yeah, is changing I, that I think mindset. That there's a general general podcast around, um, you know, reconstructing that area, supporting that staff because I imagine there's a huge turnover in that area as well because it's not a pleasant job. Um, mm. As you said, it's a particular skill set. So sorry, Kwame, to go on. I think there'll be a follow up podcast. On this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think it's important, and and certainly if if any of the listeners have particular matters that has been raised within their organisations and they'd like to submit them on an anonymous basis, we'd be really happy to discuss them in the upcoming one because I think it's important that we have real live examples of where things have gone right and where things have gone wrong. Excellent. Well, thank you very much, Carol and Naomi, for your time today. I think we got two podcasts out of this recording um, and look forward to having you guys on the podcast again. Thanks so much, Kwame, and thank Thanks. you, Naomi. This podcast was a production of the Governance Risk and Compliance Institute, and the music was produced by Rob Neary. <laughs>